We had a last minute change this morning. Unfortunately, Pastor Alex was not feeling well, so just to be safe, he stayed home. And we're really grateful that Lindsay Sitzma has uh, kindly uh, been willing to step in this morning. And so I'm just gonna, I'm going to pray for Lindsay as she comes now. God, we thank you so much for Lindsay. We thank you for the gifts that you have given her to preach your word. And God, we pray that as she comes, that you would fill her with your spirit, that you would anoint the words that she has for us. And God, I pray that you would help us to have um, eyes to see and ears to hear the truth that you have for us this morning. For we ask all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Allison, for that. Good morning. I'm just going to grab the water down here and put it up. Good morning. Surprise. Um, as Allison mentioned, Pastor Alex wasn't feeling well this morning, and it was really funny because Justin was talking to me from the kitchen this morning, and he says, hey, Lindsay, do you have a message that you've ever done on vocation or that would fit into the vocation series? And I thought he was just like hypothetically asking me the question for content so that he would do it. And, and I realized in I was just waking up, and I kind of realized in about five or ten minutes, I said, oh, oh, he's asking me to teach. Oh, he's asking me if I have a message that will work in the series. And unfortunately, I, I didn't really have anything that I've done historically or something on my heart right now that would fit in with this series directly. But something that, that God always challenges me uh, in is what it means to be strong in him. And I think that... Uh, this morning, I want to talk about strength, and I want to talk about weakness, and I, I hope that it speaks to um, this series and our vocation and, and what we bring to the world and how we are part of building God's kingdom on this earth. So that's what I really want to talk about, and, and I don't know about anyone out there in the world. Um, I've been really lucky in my career that I've worked for organizations that have really wanted to invest in me. And, that means that I have every personality profile on the planet that's been done. I've had my Enneagram, I've had my Berkman, and most recently my work did Strength Finders. And I don't know if anyone has ever gone through that book, but basically it's a, it's a book and then you do an online quiz and it, it tells you your strengths. And I got laughed at a little bit at my work when we threw in, in good faith, but um, the, the kind of your strengths are divided into categories, and there's developing categories and relational categories, and uh, I think there's like introspection or something, I don't know. Then there's the last category, which is executing gifts. And four out of my top five strengths are in executing gifts. And I'm not going to lie, my relational gifts are pretty close to the bottom, if I'm going to be completely honest, which basically means, my husband's saying I love you off camera, which basically means I'm one of the most task-oriented people you will ever meet. I love checklists. I, if I'm a project manager, so I love seeing things from start to finish. So the world looks at that and says that that is my strength. That's what I bring to my organization and, and to the world at large. And today I want to talk about what we think our greatest strength is. What do you think is your greatest asset? What is it that you bring to your world and to your community and your city and, and to the worldwide church at large that God wants to use? What is your greatest strength? 
And if I asked you just off the top of your head what you think your greatest strength are, what your greatest strength is, sorry, what, what you think makes you an asset, you might say something like, I have a lot of time that I can invest in people, or I have these talents, or I have this intellect, or I have these financial resources I've been blessed with, or I have this amazing musical ability, or I have this fountain of wisdom or experience. Those might be some of the things you think of. And this morning, as we go along, I think that you might find that what is your greatest asset is not exactly what you think it is. And I want to propose this morning that the greatest asset you have, the greatest strength you can bring to the community of faith and to the church of God is actually your weakness. And I want us to think this morning, to maybe ask ourselves this morning, what it might look like for us to be a little weaker. No, I was raised in the church. I would say almost literally. If you can look at my family tree, you'll just see it's littered with pastors. So I pretty much grew up in the church, and I have heard so often in my entire life about how the Bible is so countercultural, that Jesus' message is so against the grain, that he challenges the thinking of this world. And I know for me that sometimes I hear that and it kind of just goes in one ear and out the other, but Jesus really does call us to live so radically different from the world that we live in. He called us to forgive others when we would want to seek revenge. We are called to deny ourselves or what we want for the good of others. We're called to not trust in wealth or possessions for our security. We are taught to respond to people, even people who are really difficult to love, but we are taught to respond or called to respond to them with love and compassion. And we live in a world that tells us that we need to be stronger, that we need to be better, that we need to outperform other people. I love that one personally with all my gifts. We're taught that you have been successful and you are mature and you are a full person when you are self-sufficient. That our goal is to make our lives look like these perfectly wrapped Instagram-worthy packages. Except when I read the Bible, that's not what I see. That's not really what we are supposed to be trying to attain. We're not really supposed to be seeking this picture-perfect life. Yes, some of us will experience success, financial freedom. We all have different abilities within our body, but these are not the things that we're supposed to aspire to. In fact, when I read the stories of the people in the Bible, I think that we're supposed to live lives that are a little bit less about us, where we are a little bit weaker in ourselves. And some of you might say, well, this sounds a little unbiblical, because doesn't the Bible tell us that we are supposed to be strong and courageous and bold? And yes, the Bible does say that, but every time we see that encouragement, it's not that we're strong in and of ourselves, it's that we are strong in the Lord. It's that we don't rely or trust in ourselves, but we rely and trust in God, and He empowers us with strength and boldness. It's about less and less of us and more and more of Him. So this morning, I want to talk about what it looks like to live lives that might be a little bit weaker, about what it means what you bring to the vocational table if you decided to just live your life a little bit more weaker. And if you have your Bibles or you're following along or you'd like to follow along in your Bible, if you could go to 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 5. 
And the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And this is what he says, again, starting in verse 5. It says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Paul is saying, hey, we're not preaching about ourselves. We are preaching about God. We are just his servants. The same God who called light to form out of the darkness, who took the wild and empty wasteland of nothingness and brought forth this universe, he has put the knowledge and the light of Christ inside of us. And we have seen God revealed in Christ, and he is the light in us. Paul continues on, starting now in verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and is not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might also be displayed in our body. So Paul has just mentioned this amazing knowledge of the glory of God that is revealed in Christ and how it lives in us, and we are jars of clay containing this message. I don't often use the message paraphrase, um, but I love how it describes these verses. It says, remember that our message is not about ourselves. All we are are messengers. We're errand runners for Jesus. We carry this precious precious message around in the clay pots of our ordinary lives. I love that. We carry around this treasure, this message, in the clay pots of our ordinary lives. And I genuinely think that these verses are one of the purest expressions of what it means to live the Christian life. This message is not about ourselves. We are just carriers of it. And this morning, I really want us to hone in on that verse 7 where it, where it says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. There's two objects in this sentence, and if you're a grammar nerd, you've already pointed them out, but there's two objects that we're working with. And the first one is that Paul mentions a container that we carry this message around in jars of clay. And the jars of clay are you and me. They're a metaphor for our life, not our physical body, but the totality of our lives. And Paul likens us to a pot. Now, the purpose of a container is to hold something. That's its job, its mission, it's its reason for being. A container is actually only really a container when it contains something or holding something. But more than just this container, or a container is really only as important as the thing that it's carrying. I mean, my husband, he's a wonderful guy. And I can, you know that I'm being honest because there's nothing he could do to break this feed, so I could say whatever I wanted about him. <laughs> but I'm telling you that he is a wonderful guy. And my husband makes me coffee almost every morning. And he brings it to me in a coffee mug. And if my husband brought me an empty coffee mug every morning, I probably wouldn't be talking about what a great guy he is. 
because it's what's inside the container that has significance. I want the coffee in the mug. I don't really care about the mug itself. It's the coffee that has value. And the language here is really specific. Paul says that these jars of made, are made of clay. It's a specific kind of mud. They're earthen vessels. They're made out of a cheap, organic material. It's almost like a rereading of Genesis 2-7, when God makes a man out of the dust of the ground. God made us out of dirt, and now Paul is likening us to a dirt pot. And in the ancient Near East, a clay pot is so immensely ordinary. It's functional. And because of how it's just a piece of functional material, it's often easily chipped. It's not super valuable. It's cracked, it's fragile, easily broken, generally flawed, and it's considered expendable. That's you and me as well. You may wish that your life was a Swarovski crystal chalice for God, but it's not. And I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm in the same boat. I'm, my life is a clay pot too. But what this verse is saying is that you carry around treasure in your utter abject ordinariness. Your life is a plastic salad bowl. It's a cardboard box. It's a Tupperware container. It's a used backpack. And I'm not saying that the container isn't important. The container has importance. It's created, it's purposed. Uh, the Bible makes it clear that we are loved, that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. We have significance. It's not that it's not important, but as Christ followers, our true importance, our kingdom importance, it comes from what we carry. You know, the story of the Bible, it's this beautiful unified story that points to Jesus, but it also makes it very clear that God is powerful enough that he could intervene at any point and fix things in our very broken world. And yet God doesn't choose to be efficient in that way. He chooses to call very broken people to fulfill his mission on this planet. This message is not about ourselves. We are the container. This message is about God. Paul is saying, don't look to us. Don't look at the container. You want to see the treasure that's inside of the container. And that's the second object of this, this sentence. It's the treasure. And this treasure is the all-surpassing power of God and the knowledge of him that is revealed through Jesus Christ. It's about knowing God through Jesus. And the same God that said, let light shine out of the darkness, the same God that created the universe, the same power that called forth everything we see out of nothing, that caused the Red Sea to open, that brought down the walls of Jericho, that healed the sick and the lame, and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the all-consuming, surpassing power of God. That is the treasure that lives inside of us. It is the treasure contained in your ordinary human life. This knowledge of Christ and the revelation of who God is, of his coming to this earth, of his love, of his gospel, the power of his death and his resurrection. This is the most powerful, life-changing message on earth. It has the power to change the world, and it is stored inside you and me. You are the cracked clay pot carrying this message to the world. And that is one of the most awesome things we will, ever in, we will ever encounter. And that is that we are used in our complete ordinariness. 
You and I are fragile and expendable clay pots, but God still chooses to put his treasure inside of us for his purposes and his glory. And this gives us so much freedom because this means that wherever you are sitting, whatever you think about yourselves, you are not too weak or too shy or too inarticulate or too irredeemable, or too sinful, or too addicted. Whatever you think your greatest flaw is, you are not too flawed to be used by God. Your ordinariness is not a consolation prize for God. God is not settling by using you. The treasure is purposefully and intentionally put into clay pots so that when people see the all-surpassing power of God shining through an ordinary clay pot, they will look and say, man, that must be God, because what I'm seeing is in such stark contrast to an ordinary clay pot. Your ordinariness, what you might see as your weakness, it is not a liability to being used by God. It is your greatest asset. God has a treasure that he wants to put inside of you and he wants to release it out of you. This treasure is on the move. We carry this treasure. We don't sit and do nothing with this treasure. We carry it into the places that we go. This treasure wants out. Look at the final verse that we read this morning. It says, we carry around the death of Jesus inside of us. Why? So that the life of Jesus can be on display inside of us and through us. When you read the Gospels and you see the power of Jesus on display, you'll see this one phrase repeated over and over again. It says, the people were amazed. Jesus blew their mind with his teaching and his healing and the work that they saw him doing. And they, so many people didn't know what to make of this guy, this guy that appeared to just be an ordinary human. And many people who had just open hearts to seeing who Jesus really was, they came to the conclusion that he had to be from God. He had to be the son of God because only God would be able to do the things he was doing through an ordinary human. If you go to the book of Acts, in chapter 4, verse 13, when the crowd saw Peter and John preaching and performing miracles, it, the, it says that they realized that these unschooled ordinary men, that's what the passage refers to, they realized they wouldn't have been able to do these things themselves, and they took note that it must be Jesus. They looked at what these ordinary guys did, and they came to the conclusion, man, God must be working through them because nobody could do these things without God. You don't have to be amazing. Your life does not have to be amazing. Sorry if you want it to be. But you don't have to be amazing because God is already amazing. And he lives in you like treasure, and he wants out. You don't have to be a confident leader, an amazing singer or worship leader, an exemplary evangelist, a powerful healer, or a wise counselor, because God is all of those things. And he lives inside of you like treasure, and he wants out into this world. He wants to be visible through you. In your choices, in your actions, he wants to make himself known through your life. And it might be really easy to say, yep, I'm okay with that. But I actually think this is a lot harder than we think. I know how much I struggle with hearing this. Because I think the fact is, if we really want to bring this treasure into the world, if we want people to see God's power through us, 
if we want people to realize the countercultural message of Jesus Christ, we need to make our lives all about the treasure and not about the pot. This message is not about us. And I want you to think about a clay pot, a clay pot that has a light put in it, a containing a treasure. How does that light get seen? If there's light in a clay pot, how, do you, how are you able to see the light? The light exists in the pot, so you can't just remove the light or take it out. You can't put a lid on it because that means the light's going to go out. So how do you show this light? How do you show this treasure through an ordinary clay pot? And the answer is this. If you want the treasure to be more visible, you have to allow the clay pot to become a little bit more cracked, a little bit more chipped. The walls have to be thinned out a little bit more. It needs to be weaker. We need to be willing to go on the move with a slightly weaker clay pot. Our lives need to be less about our security and our stability and more about the treasure that is trying to shine through our lives. You are asked to live a life for Christ in devotion for his all-surpassing power. This message is not about ourselves. It's about allowing the treasure to shine through for the glory of God to be on display in our lives, in our weakness, and in our ordinariness. This is where you don't rely on your own strength anymore. You embrace the fragility of your ordinary life, and you invite God into that fragility. It's where you embrace the cracks of your life, and you say, God, use them. If you look at verse 8 in the passage, it says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but we are not destroyed. Paul is saying, you are going to encounter opposition. There are times you're going to feel like the walls are coming in, that the cracks are too big, that your pot is going to crush under the weight of this earth, and you are going to have to rely on the strength of God to sustain you. We are all broken in some way. We are all cracked vessels. Our lives are filled with weakness and sin and vulnerability and messiness, but you have a choice. You can hide the cracks. That's what the world is going to tell you to do. It's going to say, make your clay pot a classy container. Make sure people see how strong you are, how together you are. Project a version of yourself that shows how awesome your life is and how you achieved this by your own ways and means. That's one option. You can hide, you can make your, you can build up, you can putty over all of those cracks. The second option is this, you can turn to God because God is saying, let me use the cracks. Let me use the brokenness. Let me, let me use the vulnerabilities in your cracked clay pot because I can shine through that. And I want to be really, really clear when I'm talking about weakness. I mentioned earlier, it is not about our physical bodies. It is about the totality of our lives. And when I say embracing weakness, I am not saying that you should refuse medical treatment or mental health counseling or... Um, medical treatment with that as well. You should continue to pray boldly for others to receive bodily healing on this earth. This is not about re you know, rejecting your physical body or refusing to take care of it. Your physical body has needs that you need to meet. It's not about, taking, it's not about avoiding exciting experiences. It's not about 
you know, living alone all the time, being a hermit wearing a potato sack. That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about making your life a little bit weaker. Being weak is about admitting your brokenness and your flaws. Being honest about the areas of your life where you are powerless, where you have been hurt, where you have done wrong. It's about people looking at your life and seeing the love, the power, the all-surpassing treasure of Jesus Christ on display in your life, no matter the circumstances of your life. It's when you live so boldly for Christ that you can do nothing apart from him. He is the only reason that you're bold. It's where we rely on him fully. It's a life that is not about us or our strength. It's all about God and what he has done in us. This message is not about ourselves. We are carriers of this treasure. In 2 Corinthians 12, later on in this letter, Paul talks about having this thorn in his flesh, a weakness. There's a lot of debate about what it is, could be physical, could be spiritual, no one's really sure. But Paul shares about how he, was, he begged God to remove this thorn from him. The idea, that Paul, the idea here is that Paul feels that he needs this thorn gone in order, thorn gone in order for him to be more effective, a life free of this ailment, and God says, no. He doesn't take Paul's thorn away. And Paul records what he feels God is saying to him. And, and, Paul, and Paul says, but God said, me, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I, Paul, will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest in me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. One of the central themes of 2 Corinthians is how we deal with suffering and weakness. And Paul's response is boast about it, live in it, rejoice in it, watch God show up in your weakness. That is when God's power is best on display. It's made more perfect, it's more visible when we are willing to admit and even embrace our weaknesses. You cannot be relying on yourself and your own strength and fully be relying on God at the same time. When you are at your weakest moments, whatever those look like, that is the opportunity for God's light to shine through best, and that is when the world has the best chance of seeing God in you. We live in a world that just desperately needs permission to be weak and to fail. Our world doesn't really seem to allow that anymore. You know, people aren't really allowed to make mistakes. We seem to be in this culture where it's just the worst possible thing to admit failure or weakness or mistakes, and this world just needs permission to be able to do that again. And to know that in the midst of our weakness that we still have purpose and life, that God redeems us, that he loves us in the middle of all of our failures. But if we're going to bring that message to the world, it needs to start with us. So I want to offer a challenge here to you this morning, wherever you are sitting. And my challenge is this. Stop trying to improve your container all the time. Yes, you should take care of yourselves. You should eat well, as much as we don't want to sometimes. You should live a life where you are free of addiction. You should have your priorities straight. Your container has a job to do. But so often we put our efforts into making the container better so that people will think 
well of us. We want people to see our lives as a Swarovski crystal chalice. We hide every crack and every weakness so that we can feel in control. This is something that I have struggled with so much in my life. We live a life so afraid that people will see any weakness inside of us. And that any time there's just a little bit of a crack, we run for the putty so that people won't see and we image manage. And every time you work to build another layer in your pot, every time you try to make your life a little bit more secure, and again, I'm not talking about your physical body, but your whole life, any tr- time you try to make those walls thicker, the treasure becomes a little bit harder to see. If you are trying to impress people, to win the opinion and the favors of others by showing just how strong you are and how much you can achieve, how much you can accomplish in this world, how great you are, I challenge you, you might be hiding the power of the treasure that you are supposed to be putting on display. Again, we live in a world that tells us that maturity and self-sufficiency go hand in hand. I would say success goes with that as well. The more mature you are, the more successful you are, that means that you are self-sufficient. You don't need other people's help. I contrast that with what I once heard a pastor say, and I wish I could remember what pastor it was, but I can't. But I remember hearing a pastor say that his goal in life is to get to the place where he rolls out of bed and he rolls right onto his knees in prayer because he knows that he lives a life that is so fully dependent on God. And I think that is the most powerful image of weakness, rolling out of bed onto your knees knowing you need God in your life. You know, there are so many times in my life I have prayed prayers, and if that prayer is answered the way I want it to be answered, it would be putting me in a position where I need to rely on God less and less. I have prayed for life to be easier. I have prayed for obstacles to be removed. I've prayed that decisions be altered. I have prayed for a slightly uh, greater financial cushion. I've prayed for certainty and for direction prior to me making decisions. And don't get me wrong, not all of those prayers are bad. God wants us to bring our request to him, but I have been very convicted that the motivation for me praying those things was I was essentially saying, God, make my life a little bit easier and more certain so that I need you a little bit less. And again, we have to be really careful because we are told to come boldly before God, but are you coming to God from a place of wanting to rely on him more or you're wanting your life to be a little bit less dependent on him. So maybe you are sitting at home or wherever you might be, and despite COVID and everything that's happening, you're feeling pretty good about your life. You feel blessed, you feel great, you're on top of the world, you've really seen God show up, you feel that you are very secure where you're at. First off, I am very happy that you are in that place. That's awesome. But I wanna offer a challenge if I may. Would you ask God to reveal a way to you that you might step out of in faith a little bit more? A place where, God, where you might have to rely on God a little bit more. Can you pray that? Can you ask God to show you an area of your life that needs his strength? That would be a testimony to others when God shows up and brings power into your life. Maybe you need to confess a sin or a struggle to a friend Maybe you could give to the church beyond what you are currently giving, even if it means sacrificing something else in your life. 
Maybe God has been calling you in some way and you are ignoring that call because you are afraid what that might mean in your life. Is there something in your life, a comfort, a security, something that you are relying on that you need to let go so that the all-surpassing power of Christ might be on, be on display in your life a little bit more? Maybe you're in the complete opposite place. Maybe this morning you are feeling broken and you are feeling scared and week 47, I think it is, that we are in this pandemic, you are feeling tapped out. You are feeling shattered on the ground. Please take heart. God has promised that he is going to overcome the brokenness of this world. But I want to encourage you as well. Wherever you are, whatever you are going through, whether it's because of what's going on in the world, whether it's because of a consequence of a decision you made or a decision that someone else made and you're dealing with the ramifications, whatever weakness is going on inside of your life, God's treasure can shine through. God can make a broken vessel whole again. Yes, there will be cracks. But what makes it so beautiful is that as those cracks are knitted back together, we see the treasure even more. The light shines this beautiful mosaic through a fixed cracked pot. And while I don't know if this will be a comfort to you in your weakness or your vulnerability this morning, but you may be at the place exactly where God can use you or wants to use you or wants to take you from. In a talk about weakness, I think that we all need to be reminded that we serve a Lord who was born into poverty, obscurity, and weakness. He died a shameful, powerless death on a cross, and he asks us to follow him by taking up a cross. He asks us to put ourselves in a position of weakness to bring his message to this earth. And we continually have to choose. Whether you're feeling strong, whether you're feeling weak, whether you're somewhere in between, we have to choose if we are going to allow ourselves to be weak so that the all-surpassing power and knowledge of Christ can be visible in our lives. This message is not about us. It's about putting Jesus on display. Will you bow in prayer with me? Father God, I just... I pray this morning, wherever people are at, whoever is listening to this, God, that you will just be speaking into their life right now. God, if people are feeling strong, blessed, and in a place of stability, God, may they thank you in gratitude for that. May we thank you in gratitude for every good thing that we have in every way that you have sustained us through this difficult time. God, may we have the courage to look for ways where you might be calling us to get uncomfortable, where you might be calling us, us into a place of just a little bit more weakness and vulnerability. God, may we have the courage, your courage, the courage that you gives us to step out in faith and listen to that calling. God, we also think of those who are, are struggling right now struggling with what's going on in the world, struggling with what's going on in their lives, God, we know that you are a God of comfort, that you meet us where we are weak and where we are struggling. Thank you for that. God, I pray that you will find us in this place of weakness and that your treasure, the knowledge of the all-surpassing power of God, I pray that it will be on display in those weaknesses, God. 
that your power will come on us, that will bolster us, that it will be an effective witness in our lives, God. God, may we constantly remind ourselves that this message is not about us. Our lives are not about us. They are about you and what you have called us to do. God, we thank you that you use the ordinariness of our lives to do amazing things, your amazing things. We thank you that you care enough about us and the cultivation of our lives that, that you use us, that you call us, that you bring us to places where you want us to be partners with you in building your kingdom on this earth, God. We thank you for that. God, as we just leave this place now, we pray that you will speak to us in a mighty way, that your treasure will be on display through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.